so I don't know if any of you guys are aware of this or not, but they are ridiculously, and maybe not ridiculously, maybe they're accurate, predicting that there's a possible polar vortex again this year in September. September. That's crazy. And I want to disbelieve it, except for yesterday we were at a wedding, and we're sitting at this wedding, and we're, we're at this table eating, and we, the wind starts blowing, and we all look outside, and the leaves are just crazy falling off the trees. And we're like, it's August! <laughs> right? What are we, it's, not, it's way too early for this silliness. Amen? But this really got me thinking, you know, we have this stove in our in our basement. I say basement; it's kind of the walkout part of our basement. It's not. It's a, we live in a split level, and we have a really nice Hitzer stove. And last year, I didn't have enough wood to keep it going all winter long and actually heat the house with it. But it got me thinking. I'm like, man, we need to get some wood. You know, like a good amount of wood, like a few cords of wood to be able to heat the house. Hopefully, with wood all winter long, especially if it's going to be this brutal thing. Because you know, let's just be honest. I can't afford a big gas bill, amen? I mean, how many of you can? Can any of you afford a big gas bill? Because if you can, please, loan me some money. So, but, you know, so I was, so I'm, you know, processing through all this and trying to figure out, okay, you know, what am I going to do for firewood, right? So I've shared this with my small group. Now, there, I know there's a lot of you that are not involved in small groups. Listen to me. Get involved in a small group, okay? This is one little tiny minuscule aspect of church. If all you do is come on Sunday morning, you're not really a part of the church. I mean, I'm not telling you we're kicking you out. I'm just saying you don't really know what it is to be a part of the OCCA family. you got to connect with people in a meaningful way outside, right? Now, some of you have been here long enough that you have done that in the past years, and that's great. And so you are a part of it, even though you're not current. I mean, you're really, you're really in. You know people's names. You know people's struggles or triumphs, and that's awesome. But our church is growing, and sometimes we're starting to feel like strangers in our own house. Amen. Get involved in a small group. That will help you get to know new people. That'll help even if you're an old timer. That'll get to help you get to know new people. But anyways, one of the benefits of being in a small group is you get to talk about the stuff that's going on in your life. And so I'm talking with my small group, and Jerry Rimbold was a part of my group at that time. We kicked him out two weeks ago, though. He's in another group now. No, we didn't kick him out. Our group got too big, so we multiplied into two different groups. But um, anyways, so Jerry and I are talking about it, and Brian Huffman, about wood and all of this stuff. And you know, I'm like, I need to get a few cords of wood, and I don't really have time to go out and cut it all myself. You know, because they're everything that I'm doing, but I do have time if I could find a decent price and da 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 da. So long story short, Jerry Rimbold's like, "Hey, I bet we can work something out. I've got a teenage boy who needs some money, and I'm betting he will put his muscles. Those are more than muscles. I mean, you should see this boy with his shirt off. I mean, he's bow. You know." Plays a little linebacker, I think, and a little quarterback, too. So, you know, he's a, he's a tough kid. But anyways, so Jerry's like, I think we can do this. But, you know, poor Porter, like he's getting so kicked under the bus, right? Because he's going to make a little money. And it was really funny. In the beginning, his dad offered me this astronomically low price. And I'm like, man, I would feel dirty, <laughs> like, accepting that price. Because poor Porter, right? 
So we talk, and I said, man, I, I can't pay you that little. I need to pay you this, and, you know, this is how much it goes for, and this is how much I'm willing to pay, you know, da da da, da where I'm trying to find three chords for this price. And, and we get to talking, and Jerry's like, all right, cool. You know, we'll, we'll do that, and maybe you and Dylan can come out instead of us, you know, for the price being low like that and everything. You guys come and help out, and then as far as the delivery goes, you guys will just haul it, you know, yourselves. And da, da. So we're working through all this, and it sounds really great to Jerry and I. It sounds really horrible to Porter and Dylan. Because let me just tell you what Jerry and I neither one own. A log splitter. Now, I'm not sure. We used to call them growing up a monster mall. You may call it a split mall. It's basically a big wedge on a, on a stick. And it's, it's like swinging an axe over your head, only, I don't know, ten times heavier. It's like cross between axe and sledgehammer, right? Amen? Anybody ever swung one of those? Oh, it stinks very much bad. My... <laughs> My senior year of high school, between high school and college, um, I actually went and went to work for a short line railroad on a on a on a track maintenance gang, and they didn't have it wasn't a monster mall, it was a spike mall. So it was like a cross between a sledgehammer and a pickaxe, though there wasn't really anything to pick at. It's just that length. It's like an elongated so you could spike over the top of the rail. So I know what it's like. And poor Porter and Dylan, you know. I mean, I don't know, Jerry at home with you, but Dylan whined like a little schoolgirl over the thought of having to split that wood. I don't know if Porter was like that or not, but no. Dylan's back there shaking his head saying he didn't whine like a little schoolgirl. You're right. It was, it was more like a preschool girl. So anyway, but, but the thing about it is, like, we had to split wood, right? Because my, even though my Hitzer stove is really nice, it's technically a coal stove. So the door of it is not real huge. So we've got to make sure we got the wood split. I want it as big as possible to get it in there so the stuff burns longer. But we've got to split a lot of wood. I mean, this isn't one of these Hoss Daddy stoves down in the basement that you can put a log this big around in, you know, and this thing burns all day long. Not that kind of stove, right? So we're talking about doing all this. Now, there's a lot of requirements that go into this. I mean, I wanted three cords of wood, right? I, I don't want a cord. I, I know that a cord isn't going to do it. I know that two cords isn't going to do it based upon how fast I burned up a cord last year. Really, I want four cords, but I don't think I, can, I have place to put four cords and keep it dry. So we went with three cords, right? Now, Porter, poor Porter... It's, and Dylan, it's possible for these guys to split all this wood, right? But it's going to be grueling, hard labor. This isn't going to be easy stuff, right? I mean, the reality is in some ways, guys, you know, while we were up picking up a load, Jordan showed up and he had been lifting weights. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you just swing the split mall? That's free, you know? <laughs> Like Stephen was talking about his new job that he had working out at the foundry and talking about, I don't need to get a gym membership because I'm picking up these molds and all this stuff all the time, you know. And now I'm Stephen and I'm buff and I'm the stuff, right? So don't believe me? Go check his muscles. So, but anyways, so it's going to be this grueling hard work, you know. Porter's, Porter in the in the beginning was doing it all with a, with a split mall, with a monster mall. He split a whole cord of wood, a whole cord of cherry by hand for me. You know, I, I'm paying for it, so don't 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 look at me too crazy, right? But uh, he splits this whole cord of wood. But 
But he was worn out. He was getting worn out. And Jerry and I had another plan cooking in our mind. We're like, we have friends. Surely one of them has a log splitter, right? I mean, we both have a log splitter. Mine's name's Dylan. What's yours? Porter. Okay, good. Yeah. So I mean, but but we kind of thought instead of a instead of one of those splitters, you know, where the power's all in your arm, we thought maybe a, about a hydraulic log splitter. You know, somebody's got a hydraulic log splitter. You know, it's just a matter of finding this hydraulic log splitter. And so, so Jerry ends up borrowing a hydraulic log splitter from his friend. Now, this made splitting the wood tons easier in some respects. Amen, Porter. Right. I mean, it's a whole, I mean, whole lot easier in some respects. He didn't have to swing the mall anymore. Dylan never did get a hold of the mall, so Dylan's like, hey, they were both easy. You know, Dylan hadn't got around to it yet. But, um, but in another respect, it actually made splitting the wood harder. And I don't know if Porter's thinking about this yet or Jerry's thinking about this yet, but see, some of the logs, some of the trees were about this big around. And you have to get the log up on the table, up on the, the rack that's coming off the side. And I mean, come on, even though I'm, I'm having them cut them 18 to 20 inches because of the size of my door, dude, 18 to 20 inch long log, that big around, that's a hoss daddy. And Porter's a strong guy. And I wasn't there to witness it, but I was there when Jerry and I were doing it. Both of us picked it up. Now, maybe Porter's strapped, maybe Jerry's like, no, you picked that up yourself, boy. But no, it's not how, you know, like in some respects it's easier, but in other respects it's impossible to use a log splitter without help. Because now what all you had to do, muscle over, you know, get it where it was, you know, the flat side down and then start hitting it with a split maul. Now you got to get it three feet off the ground, Right? And get it up there, and then then the mall or then the splitter does all the work, kind of, you know, because sometimes it goes to split and it doesn't split it all the way, and then you're pulling on it and tugging different things. Not that we do that much, you know. You get pretty good at doing it without a lot of manual labor like that. But but picking them up and putting them on the table, I mean, that can't be done real easily by one guy. Overall, the log splitter reduced the work. But it reduced the work on one condition. The person splitting the logs could no longer do it alone. They needed the help of another person. This illustration about this log splitter and using the log splitter to increase the overall load yet needing the help of another person is going to be the main sermon illustration we stay with the whole day today. Okay? This illustration is important because I think it's a shadow thing that points us to Jesus Christ. We talked about this last Sunday about shadow things, about these shadowy copies, about, about the Old Testament is a shadow thing pointing us to Jesus Christ, but it's also useful for us still. And, 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 looking, and we're going to tie all this together today as we look at shadow things, part two. I think the, the illustration of splitting wood is a decent picture. It's not perfect. I mean, at some point, every illustration breaks down. So you could probably sit here in your mind and take this log-splitting illustration far enough that you go, well, that isn't a real picture of the faith. Well, come on, everything breaks down at some point. But see, I think if you hang with me, you'll start to understand how this is really a decent picture of what Jesus did. So, go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. Surprise, surprise, we're in Hebrews. Amen. And we're going to read uh, there in verse 7 through 13. 
verse 7 through 13. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You might be reading from something like the NIV or the KJV or something like that. That's okay. They're all just translations. But let's read together. Follow along as best you can. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would, been a, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. This is a quotation out of Jeremiah, by the way. Verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall, this is crazy, we're going to get to this a little bit, we talked about this a little bit in microgroups this morning, and they shall not teach each other, each one his neighbor, and each other his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. That's, that kind of blow your doors off right there. In the new covenant, they shall not teach, because everybody will know me. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Hasn't vanished away yet, but it's ready to. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we ask you right now to help us to understand this illustration of the log splitter. How splitting logs can help us to understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Lord, but also to help us understand how they're the same, how you're, how the, how you're one God, the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the same God. Lord, so that we can understand your truth and that we can grow in our faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen. So, when Jerry and I first agreed that I was going to get my firewood from him, we talked about the fact, again, I'm just reiterating here, that we would have to have the wood split, right? And, and we talk, and we factor the amount of work that Porter would have to do into the price that I would pay for the wood, and rightly so. But right from the beginning, we knew that Porter's job of splitting wood was going to be rough. I already pointed this out. Jerry didn't own a log splitter. I didn't own a log splitter. We had to split it by hand. Now, this is all well and good unless there's a better way, right? And Jerry and I thought there was a better way. Splitting logs by hand is tough work. And Jerry and I both knew there was a better way. In verses 7 and 8 of Hebrews, God shows through the author there that there was a better way than the old covenant, right? That's what he says. Look in verse 7 and 8. He says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Listen, he's saying there's a better way. Now, I want you to understand something. God didn't get surprised in this. He wasn't surprised that the first covenant wasn't working. It worked exactly the way he intended it to work. Some of us have a hard time believing that. Because, like, why would he do it? And we're going to get into that. 
We're going to get into that today. But the Old Covenant worked exactly the way God intended it to work. But He knew that there was a better way. Just like Jerry and I knew there was a better way on this log-splitting endeavor, right? I mean, let's think about it. The Old Covenant. The way the Israelites understood it. Keep these rules. Do all of these things. Make sure you sacrifice everything exactly right. Down to the very most minute piece. The blood has to be sprinkled just right. The oil has to be just right. The every, everything's got to be just right. The snuffers and the candles and the incense and the showbread and all of these things have to be just right. And by the way, if you look at a sheep that you're getting ready to sacrifice and you, and you notice even a little tiny spot on it that's wrong, that, that sheep can't be sacrificed anymore. It has to be a perfect little lamb. Right? I mean, just crazy the stuff that had to go into this. And it all had to be perfect. This is a whole lot like splitting logs by hand. I mean, it's doable, but it's a lot of work. Like, I can sit there, like, to do it and follow the law, I, mean, I need to sit there with, like, a copy of the law and go, okay, all right, make sure we sprinkle it like this. You know, make sure I take the, the hyssop branch and I and I dip it and I put it here first and then here and then I put it here and, and, and make sure that I got to check the lamb over and make sure everything's perfect with the lamb and I, I don't want to give anything spotless. And it's a whole lot like grabbing a, a monster mall and swinging it over your hand and, and, and in some ways it's kind of neat at first. I remember the first time when I was a kid and I saw a monster mall, I thought, wow, that's cool. And then when I swung it, I was like, I am a stud. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what I could not possibly break before with my arm. I now watch it go, pow, and fly apart, right? I mean, you ever hit, anybody ever split wood? I mean, just, whoo, whoo, whoo. Fly, I mean, like guys that are standing around, you're ducking for cover because you're like, I mean, you put some, you didn't let the mall do the work, you did the work. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just, man, you feel so good. And that was all good for about like five pieces of wood. And then you're like, wow, it's a whole lot like work. Right? And my dad didn't care. We just swung them all. I, mean, I think somewhere in his mind he thought about getting a log splitter. But he's like, nah, I have one named Jerry Jr., you know, so, and my dad would do it too, but I'm just, you know, follow my little joke. Dad, if you're listening to this sermon online, don't take any offense. Anyways, so, but you know, this this is hard work. I mean, and, and when you start swinging a mall, man, you get tired. You get tired. I mean, it's not one of these things that you can do it nonstop. I mean, you get tired. It's the same way with keeping the law and trying to follow it to the letter and doing all of these things and making sure everything is perfect. You get tired. And I mean, God knew that they were going to get tired. That's why He put work rest cycles in. He didn't make the Sabbath a man for the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath for man. Amen? I mean, he didn't say, you have to keep the Sabbath perfectly. He made the Sabbath for them to rest because this is hard work. This is tough stuff. This isn't easy to do. 
It's grueling. And the work rest cycles went far beyond just the once a week work rest cycles. There were work rest cycles all throughout the calendar of Israel. There were annual festivals and there were annual rest cycles. And then there were the year of Jubilee. People were released out of their different bondages and debts that they had. And the land would lie fallow and they would have a chance to rest. And all of these different things. I mean, God knew that it was a ton of work to do all of this. It's like splitting logs by hand. It's a ton of work. God knew there was a better way to do all this work in order to keep covenant with Him. But in God's infinite wisdom, He knew that we would need to see the old covenant in order to truly appreciate what He was offering us in Jesus. It's like splitting logs. If all I've ever used is a hydraulic log splitter, I don't really appreciate it the same way as I do when I've used that split mall. Amen? Amen. Any of you that's used both, raise both hands if you use both. All right. You appreciate the, the, the log splitter a lot more if you've swung that mall, right? Amen? Amen. Amen, right? So, I mean, it's like, so a lot of things that are going on with our kids today, you know, this is not to pick on our teenagers, but a lot of things that are going on with our kids today, they don't appreciate some of these things. In the modern era, the way we appreciate them, because they never had to do it the old way. I mean, let me just give you a prime example. Every kid that I know that is old enough to talk thinks that they have to have a cell phone. I can't survive without one. They don't appreciate it the way we appreciate it, because let me just tell you, Jim, did you have a cell phone growing up, brother? No. Listen, my grandparents, while I was alive, didn't even have a private phone line in their house. They had a party line. So if it went ring and then stopped, that meant it was to the neighbor's house. And if it went ring, ring, that meant it was to your house. But let me tell you something, on the party line, kids, you could pick it up and listen. When it was at the neighbor's house. And you'd hear. And you'd be like, you better hang that phone up. (laughs) Right? There was no, I'm going to get on there and talk to my girlfriend for two hours. Because the neighbors needed to use the phone too. You, Some of you, young folks, don't appreciate the fact of no wires. Listen. Our first remote control for our VCR that we had, which, by the way, was two pieces. Our VCR was two pieces. Because my dad had a camcorder. So you could take the part that had the cartridge in it with you and hook it to a camera. And you had to carry it in a huge bag. You know, it was like toting a backpack with you with a camera, right? Our, our remote was on a wire! There were, it wasn't, you know, it was remote in the sense that the wire would reach across the room, I mean, for us, if we wanted a mobile phone, we got one of those extra long curly Q cords, right? <laughs> Come on, some of you know what I'm talking about, amen? <laughs> you know? And, and you'd, you'd drag that thing, man, you'd be over trying to get away from people, over hiding in the corner of the room, cord just pointing to everybody where you're at. Mom's over there! Right? And then you know, inevitably, 
you, when you wind it back, when you walk back over there, the thing's like, and it wads up in this knot. You know what I'm talking about. See, you kids don't appreciate this stuff. You don't appreciate this stuff. You're like, I need, a, I need an iPhone. Seriously. You don't appreciate it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of our kids. I, I don't think they need phones, but hey, that's beside the point. But, but you don't appreciate it the same way if you haven't had to do it the old way. That's the old covenant. God could have sent Jesus right there in the beginning. Right after the fall, I think God could have sent Jesus. I know He could have. He's God. Jesus already existed. But see, He allowed this old way to happen so that we would appreciate what He was doing. So that we could understand what He was doing. He used all of these types and all these different things to show the coming of Christ so that we could understand. Because I think what would have happened had he sent Jesus right away, right after, right after the fall, I think what would have happened is somewhere in the back of our mind, we'd have said, we could have fixed this on our own. We didn't need him. We could have got, if he'd have just told us what to do, we could have fixed it on our own. I'm very convinced of that by, because of what I read in the book of Revelation. Like many of us probably have a theology that thinks that just because Satan is on the earth, that's why we have this fallen issue. But in the millennial kingdom, when Jesus comes back to rule and reign on the earth as a king for a thousand years, it's literally going to happen or the Bible's wrong, by the way. Okay, He's going to do this. He's going to reign as a king from Jerusalem for a thousand years. We think, well, if he, Jesus had come and he'd been here and Satan was restrained and he couldn't do anything, we'd follow Jesus wholeheartedly. But it's just because the devil's involved. And the devil made me do it. He talked me into it. And that was all she wrote. Like the George Strait song, right? But here's the funny thing. Satan, during the millennial kingdom, is locked away for a thousand years. His influence is not seen on the earth. Now, I want you to yell it out, though. You're probably going to be wrong. Okay? But just yell it out. I'll yell it out with you. I'll yell out the wrong answer with you. Okay? What is the last battle? Armageddon. That's what I... What? I was the only one that did it? It's not the last battle. That's the next to the last battle. Go read the book of Revelation. Armageddon is not the last battle. That is the battle right before the thousand year reign. During the millennial kingdom, people still rebel against God and Satan is released at the end of the millennial kingdom and he gathers up all the people who are rebelling against God and they have another battle at a place called Gog and Magog. Which is the last battle? Read your Bible. It's there. I think that's to show us that even if Jesus had been here physically present on the earth and the enemy had been restrained, we have still rebelled against God. He does these things so that we'll appreciate what Jesus is doing. It's like the splitting the logs. Our experience, Jerry and I's experience with hand splitting had developed in us a deep appreciation for the better way, for the hydraulic log splitter. And now Porter has a deep appreciation for the better way. Now here's the reality. We didn't split some of the wood small enough and so I'm going to go buy them all and Dylan this winter is going to get an appreciation for the better way. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Dylan, the church has spoken, my brother. Blessings upon you. He's like, this is the moment where I hate it when my dad's the preacher. Right? 
Had Jerry and I never never split logs by hand, we might take for granted the value of a splitter. Maybe even disdaining it is not worth the money. But our labor of doing it with muscle power has shown us that it's the best way. And this really is important. It's really important. I mean super important. As we consider one of the seeming drawbacks to the hydraulic splitter. The problem with using a hydraulic splitter is that Porter could no longer split the logs by himself. He needed Jerry or he needed me to come along and help him. He couldn't do it, but what he could do before on his own by just muscling the log up, now he can't do it anymore by himself. Now, he has to ask for help. Now he has to lose his independence. And he has to say, I need help. Can I get some help? This meant that what once was a one-man job now required multiple people. It went from being a solo thing to a team thing. Can I just be honest real quick? I haven't met a person yet, myself included, who likes having to rely on other people. Not one person that I know of likes having to rely on other people. But guys... God didn't create us to be an island under ourselves, did he, Stephen? <laughs> Yesterday at Stephen's wedding, Mike Harvey pointed out that God hasn't created us to be an island unto ourselves. He's created us for relationship. He's created us to enter into this interdependence, not only with him, but with one another. Amen? We, we may not like the fact that we have to depend on other people, but God has created us that way. This rugged streak of independence that we have that we call Americanism. And by the way, I, I love, look, I served for almost a quarter. No, I didn't. I'm getting ready to lie. I started to say a quarter of a century. And I, apparently I am a crackhead. <laughs> I served for almost a decade in the United States Army. I am not anti-patriot by any stretch of the imagination. Okay? But there is one thing about our country that is not right. And it is this idea of the rugged individual. That was not what our founding fathers had in mind. And it's certainly not what God has in mind. We're to be an interdependent group on one another. It takes the whole team it takes all of us as a nation. It takes all of us as a church. It takes this interdependence. In other words, when we use a, a log splitter to split big logs, relationship is the key. The easier path was actually more difficult for Jerry and I and for Porter because in order to, for Porter to not have to work so hard, he was going to have to ask for help. He couldn't do it alone. This is very close to the change from the old covenant to the new covenant. Verses 10 and 11 say this, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. And they shall not teach each other. And they shall not 
teach each other. Each one is neighbor and each one is brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. Under the new covenant, things are going to have to change. It would no longer be someone teaching them how to follow God on their own. Instead, God would be offering to step in in a personal relationship with each individual covenant member. I don't think you get it all the way. I mean, I think you get it a little. But God is saying there's no longer this learning how to do it and do it on your own. No, I am willing to step in in a personal relationship with each covenant member. But if you don't have the relationship, you're not in the covenant. You need my help. Not Pastor Jerry's help. This is God saying, you need my help. You need the help of my son, Jesus Christ. You have got to stop trying and start trusting. You can't get the log up on the log splitter. You need my hand. With me, you can do it. But you've got to stop trying to do it on your own. You got to start trusting. You got to get in this messy relationship with me. You have to get involved in this thing. You have to say, I'm not going to do this on my own anymore. I'm not going to be this rugged individual anymore. This is precious promise that we've got here. This is a precious promise. Jerry and I, and, and Porter and, and I, we needed help getting that up there. And, and this is something that, that was so cool. I wasn't planning on using this as an illustration. I didn't know what I was going to preach on. I, I do my slides. The concepts of the message I have beforehand. The slides I do on Saturdays. And the Lord began to say some stuff to me about Jerry and I on Friday with logs. See, when we drove up, Porter had on hearing protection and Jerry had on hearing protection. And they were splitting logs. And I said, hey, guys, it's fine. Keep splitting logs. Dylan and I will load. And Jerry's response was this. Now, listen. See the kingdom of God in this. No. We're going to turn the splitter off and we're going to help you load the, the trailer so we can have fellowship. I promise you that was his words. We're going to turn this off and help you load the trailer so we can have fellowship. God says to us, I'll enter in the work with you so we can have fellowship. Not that we don't have to do things. Listen, that's antinomianism that we talked about last week. See, the thing about the thing about splitting logs by hand with a splitter or splitting them with a hydraulic splitter is that in the end result, it looks the same. You can't tell which pieces of wood in my garage right now were split by the mall or by hand. Except Porter and Jerry and I can because there was two different types of wood. And so we know which one was split by hand. Some of it, well, the rest of you know all the cherry Porter did by hand. All the maple with the hydraulic splitter. All right? But you see, my point here is that the, the stack looks the same. Guys, some of us have been taught all of our life that all we need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ but that is not what Jesus said. He didn't say that not one time. Not once did he say that. As a matter of fact, the Spirit of God says through, the, through James, Jesus' biological half-brother, that 
faith without works is dead. He says, you believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe. And shudder. Jesus said, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent from trying to earn yourself your way there. Repent from trying to do works. Repent from sin. Repent from all of these things. Turn your life a 180 degree thing. And it's not a matter of, oh, well, I prayed this prayer and Jesus has come into my life and and now I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, but I can keep doing whatever the heck I want. No, you can't. Show that to me in the Scriptures. I know some of you are already thinking, well, it says all things are lawful. Yeah, and the next sentence says, but not all things are profitable. In the New Testament, it tells us, in the New Testament, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from debauchery. Debauchery. Who knows what debauchery is? Raise your hand. It's pleasuring the senses. People say, is it okay for for Christians at this point in Colorado to smoke pot? Because it's legal there now. No! No! It's debauchery. That's what debauchery is. Drug use would fall under debauchery. It's pleasuring the physical senses. Pursuing that. No, it's not okay. Sorry, I'm making the baby cry. I'll go scream over here now. By the way, side note, I don't know why I scream when I preach. I just get excited. It just happens. My wife's like, so you're going to scream at us today? I'm like, I don't know, I might. <laughs> but anyway. But see, the whole thing, the, the, rela- the, the, the result looks the same. Holiness. Personal holiness should be coming in our lives. We're not being legalistic when we say we want to follow Jesus, we want to obey His commands. That's not legalism. That's not anywhere in close to what Jesus was talking about legalism. Legalism that Jesus was talking about was attaining righteousness by keeping the rules. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It was the reason why they were doing what they were doing. Not that they were doing it. And Jesus says, hey, look, I'm a log splitter. I'll get involved. I'll help you. But you've got you to gotta yield it up to me. You've got to stop trying. You've got to stop trying to earn. You've got to stop trying to do all of this stuff you got to see that when you come driving up, I'm saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to turn the machine off and I'm going to get in a relationship with you because we need to have some fellowship. We need to grow. We need to love one another. We need to walk with one another. The work of splitting and loading firewood for us when this all happened became so much more bearable because we each had a friend to work through it with us. It didn't take nearly the time. Because we were working together. Accomplishing the same thing that we could have done apart. Don't believe me that we could have done it apart? Dylan went out there at one point. Now, uh, Porter and Jerry ended up being there when he got there, but Dylan was going out there to load up a load by himself because I had to work. Some of you are like, our pastor works on days other than Sunday? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, but, uh, but we actually had fun. Love was flowing. We were talking as we were throwing logs and all these things. It was a good time and, and, and probably it, w- it was a much needed respite from some of our work. Guys, when Jesus came and changed things, the feeling of having to work in order to please God was taken away. It wasn't that work was taken away. 
the feeling of having to work in order to please him was taken away. It was replaced by God saying he would do the work with and for us in order that we might experience a true relationship with him. The logs still need split. We still need to follow Jesus. Now, listen, the word Christian has no fear for me. I, I, my personal opinion, and if you like it, it's fine. I'm not judging you. I despise the trend in America right now to call people who are Christians Christ followers because we're afraid of using the word Christian. Listen, Christian is in the Bible, okay? And it means slave of Christ. I'm not opposed to the concept of Christ follower. It's not that I don't like the word Christ follower. It's that, we, it's, it's that we've dumbed down Christianity to make it. Well, it's like this, well, I follow Jesus. Yeah, I follow him. Like my life doesn't look anything like his life, but he's my Lord. I follow him. And see, I appreciate the word Christian because it means slave of Christ. It's what it literally means. A lot of people think that Christian means little Christ or all these things. It is a Greek word, Christianos. It was first used as an insult. The Christos is from the word krios, which means anointed or smeared or rubbed. And so the Christos is the smeared one or the rubbed one or the anointed one. The Ianos, even though it's in the Greek word, is of Latin origin and it carries with it the connotation of being owned by the one whose name precedes it. It would be like saying, I'm a Mattianos. So Matt owns me, I'm Matt's slave. It was an insult. All throughout the New Testament, you are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. You are a, in the NIV and the ESV, and a lot of translations say, they say servant, but the word, the Greek word is doulos, bond servant or slave. Helps to go back to the original languages sometimes, friends. So you can't say no master. Right? It's not that we don't do stuff, we do. But that doing doesn't come in order to have the relationship, in order to be right with God. That doing flows out of the relationship. That doing that we did when we loaded that trailer wasn't so that Jerry and I could have a relationship with one another. It flowed out of the fact that we did have a relationship with one another. The work came out of the fact that we love each other. Friends, holiness is still a result in the new covenant as opposed to the old covenant. But relationship, not rules, are the means by which we now understand it is attained. I will never apologize for this. Ever. The Christian and Missionary Alliance, which our church is a part of, is part of the holiness movement. We believe holiness should be a part of God's people's lives. Amen? I'm not going to apologize for that. It's scriptural. I'm not saying that churches that aren't necessarily a part of the holiness movement don't believe that. I'm just saying we believe that enough that we're part of that movement. Churches that are part of the movement, the Assemblies of God, the Nazarene Church, Foursquare, I could go on and on and on. Churches that believe it matters how we live. We cannot just live any old way we want to. Listen to me. Hear me, especially you young folks. 
You have fallen prey to a false gospel that says that you can live any way you want to as long as you ask Jesus into your heart. It is a damnable lie that is nowhere in Scripture. It is not on any page of the Bible. When you bring it to me and show me where it says you can live any way you want to, I will stand and I will publicly repent in front of our congregation. I will say, I was wrong. It says you can live any way you want to and be a Christian. We're defaming the name of Christ when we live our hellish lives. The wood still needs split and stacked out of the relationship. Not as a means to the relationship. I had a guy last year that split and stack and split some wood and I stacked and we worked together for a little bit. We don't have a relationship with one another. We did the work, but no relationship. It's completely different this year. Logs have to be split to a certain size. They have to be stacked a certain way. They have to do all of these things. Likewise, we must live holy lives evidenced in certain activities such as Bible reading, tithing, praying. But now they're a lot less like a list of rules and they're more fun because we're in a relationship with one another. Listen, small groups, we have four small groups that do sermon uh, application. Somebody hand me a sheet. All right, listen to me. Here's my challenge to you. This wasn't going to be part of the message. This is going to be part of the small groups, but I really feel like the Lord's telling me to tell you guys this. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, and it means an individual assembly of Christians, usually with leaders who conform to a standard and have worship practices with members interacting, and it's more or less local. This is out of the Dictionary of Biblical Languages with Semantic Domains, which is to say out of the Jewish language dictionary, when they're speaking, they're looking at the Greek stuff, they're looking at the Jews, how they would have understood these Greek words. Okay, how they would have understood them to mean those people, those Hellenistic Greek speaking Jews, how they would have understood these words to be meant. Listen to me. There is not a person in the world who can say I am the church and be using the word church properly. It is an individual assembly of Christians. It is always a group of people, usually with leaders and members. That's the Greek definition. I wasn't going to include that. I feel like the Lord said I needed to include that. Why? I always get this question, why should we become members? I don't know, because that's what the word means. Argue with Jesus. Don't argue with me. And again, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I just, I was was not intending this to be part of my message. I just really feel convicted of the Lord. Somebody here needed to hear it. And if that was you, amen. And if it wasn't you, let it go. Okay? We need to tie all this back to the last song that we sing. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. 
look, it's not just breaking the chains to, to sin and being caught in sinful habits and sinful cycles. It's also breaking the chains of having to work our way to Him. It's also breaking the chains of, of feeling like we're not worth His love. It's also breaking the chains of sickness. It's also breaking the chains of death. It's all, it's, I mean, there's like so many chains. Like it's not one chain, right? There's power in Jesus' name. He wants to split logs with you. Oh, listen, logs need to be split. He wants to do it with you. There's no question about whether or not the logs need to be split. It's about how are you going to do it. Now, I, I, I'm your pastor. You guys know this well enough about me at this point. I don't want you to take my word for it. That's why there's homework. Monday, John, chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. Tuesday, John 17, 1 through 19. Wednesday, John 17, 20 through 26, and band, you can start coming back up. Thursday, Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Friday, Luke 10, 38 through 42. And Saturday, Psalm 16, 1 through 11, which is the whole psalm. If you read those scriptures, you know what you're going to see? The prevailing theme throughout each one of those? God wants to be in a relationship with you. The Exodus thing is about Jesus or about God being in a relationship with Moses. Seeing him face to face, mouth to mouth, close and personal. He doesn't want you to keep living your life apart from this relationship with him. He wants to split logs with you. There's a ton more that I want to say. But I really believe that God told me to let John close the service. If we're going to have an altar call, the Holy Spirit's going to tell John to do it. In a little while, we're going to have an offering. But then we're going to pray and then we'll shut the recording off. Father, we come before you. We ask you to speak. Help us to understand this illustration of log splitting. Help us to understand this vital need for a relationship. Help us to understand that we can't continue to live any way we want to, but that if we're in this relationship, our lives will change. That's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said,